Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Our house was built in 1969. And if you are familiar with houses that were built in that era, you know the decor, you know the color scheme from those houses. It was straight out of the TV show, The Brady Bunch. Now, my generation and those older than us, you're already forming a mental picture of what this house looked like. But if you're younger, maybe these pictures will help you. Now, this was not our home. These pictures are actually nicer than our home was. You see, every room in our house was painted either that mossy green, the burnt orange of a pumpkin, or the bright yellow of the sun. And you know what? We were just okay with that decor for the first year or so that we lived there. But as time went by, we knew that changes needed to be made. And we painted every room in our house at least once And we had several renovations and several additions put on our house to accommodate our growing family and our home wish list, like adding a pool. You might say that in the course of all those years, our house, the slate of our house has been wiped clean and we've created something brand new. Steve and I are happier in the house that we live in now compared to when we moved in. But oh, there was so much work in that process. Perhaps you have a clean slate story in your life. A house or a vehicle that you made look like new. Maybe you've restored a toy or a tractor and you are so happy with that. Maybe you've restored yourself because you started to exercise and eat better and get more sleep. But doesn't it take a lot of work? Now, New Year's Eve, New Year's in general, prompts us to think about clean slates. And maybe today, January 2nd, 2022, you are in a place of wishing for a clean slate in an area of your life. There's something in your life that you would like God to make new, to restore, to give you a clean slate. For many of us, 2021 was a hard year. And we're looking at the start of 2022 with a renewed sense of hope. We're thinking, wow, I want God to make my marriage brand new. Oh, if I could just restore the relationship with my adult son or daughter. Ah, If I could have a brand new job. If God would just bring me a new job to wipe the slate clean and I'll start fresh. Or maybe for you, there's a painful memory, a painful time in your past. And you're carrying a piece of that past with you today. And you would like God to wipe that slate clean. 
Friends, if you're looking for a clean slate in an area of your life, God cares about that because he cares about you. And I firmly believe that God is in the restoration business. He restores my soul. God restores our soul. This is really good news because life is tough. We get beat up by discouragement, depression, and despair. We have fatigue and frustration and fears. There are hidden hurts from our past that we carry with us, wounds and battle scars as we walk around our neighborhood, as we go to work, as we come home to our families, and as we hang out with our friends. My prayer for you today is that this message gives you hope because God can restore your soul. Now, hopefully, you are leaning in just a bit closer as we've started to talk because like me, you're curious as to how God can restore your soul. Well, God restores our soul when we invite him to do three things. We let him remove our guilt, let him relieve our grief, and let him replace our grudges. Guilt, grief, and grudges can take up space in our heart and in our minds, but if we name them and allow God in, he can give us a clean slate. So if you're carrying guilt with you today. I want you to know that God made a way to remove it. Guilt is a private pain that we carry with us because we've done something wrong, either personally or to someone else. Others usually can't see our guilt because it's so personal, but it leaves us in a deep and heavy place, a deep and heavy impact on us. Guilt tears down our spirit. Nothing feels dirtier and harder to clean from our lives than guilt, and nothing destroys a soul faster and harder than guilt. And guilt has been around for a very long time. In Psalms 38, David gives us a peek into a dark time of his life, a a time when guilt ravaged him. He says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought very low all day long. I go about mourning. David was in a tough place when he wrote these words. He's almost at his breaking point here. He is overwhelmed here. He is suffering here. His guilt is crushing him here. He's telling us how the decisions of his past are literally weighing him down, like he's pulling along a heavy sack of guilt, a burden too heavy to bear. And we, we are not unlike David. 
Maybe you're feeling the burden of guilt today. It's on your mind. It's weighing you down. You're pulling it along with you every day, and you don't know how to deal with it. But you need to deal with it. If you've read the book of Psalms, you know that David often dealt with his emotions by penning them on paper. That's how he dealt with his guilt. Maybe for you, you do one of four things. Maybe you deny it and pretend it doesn't exist. It's, it's like you're trying to bury the past. But just about the time you think it's buried, that guilt comes back at the most vulnerable time. It's in your mind. Denying your guilt or pretending it doesn't exist will not relieve it. Or maybe you deal with guilt by minimizing it or rationalizing it. You say, it's no big deal. It's not that big of a sin. But then why do you still remember it? Minimizing guilt doesn't work and trying to rationalize guilt doesn't work either. Rationalize means rational lies. We can't convince our heart that something is okay when our head is telling us it's wrong. Dealing with guilt by minimizing it or rationalizing it will not work. Or maybe, maybe you deal with guilt by blaming other people. Trying to deal with guilt by blaming other people is like having a scales in our hand. A scale between what I do wrong and what you do wrong to me. We balance the scale by saying, I feel guilty about this, so I'm going to blame you for this. But blaming someone else will not wipe our guilt away. But if you're like me, you deal with guilt a fourth way. You self-administer punishment. And it looks like this. Inside, we know that someone has to pay for the mistakes that we've made in our life. So subconsciously, we set ourselves up to pay for our sins. And our bodies reflect that weight. Because guilt causes depression. It can make us sick. The side effects of guilt often tell us that we are unworthy. None of these ways of dealing with guilt work. There are only a few solutions to remove the guilt from our lives, and they need to be addressed together. Listen to what happens when we go to God with our guilt. For everyone has sinned, God says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Jesus declares us not guilty. The most basic truth of Christianity is that Jesus Christ has already paid for our sins so we can go to God and we can ask him to forgive those sins because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
So I don't know. I don't know what you've done that you might feel guilty about today. But your forgiveness is not based on what you've done. Forgiveness is based on what Jesus has done for you. What matters not is what you've done. Because Jesus has paid the price for your sins. You don't need to carry that heavy load of guilt on your back anymore. When God forgives, it is immediate and it is free and it is complete the first time you ask. So if you feel like you need to keep asking God to take away a guilt in your life, that prompting is not from God. It's from Satan. And he wants you to keep feeling stuck and doubtful and defeated. Think of it like this. Before you commit a sin, Satan says, go ahead. It's not that big of a sin. You won't feel that guilty. But then after you sin, it blows up. Satan says, oh, God could never forgive you for that. You are so bad. Satan is the ultimate deceiver, liar, and manipulator. Friends, do not believe him. When God forgives, he takes your sins and he throws them in the deepest part of the ocean and he puts up a no fishing sign. Colossians 2 confirms God's gift of forgiveness. He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Now, it's not that our sins just slip God's mind. He can't forget in the sense that we do. Rather, he chooses not to remember them. When we receive God's forgiveness, he doesn't hold our sins against us or treat us according to what our sins deserve. He forgives us. And he sees so much value in us. Think of forgiveness this way. If I offered you a $20 bill, would you take it? If I crumbled up that $20 bill and threw it on the ground, would it still have value? If I stomped on that $20 bill, could you still pick it up and take it to the grocery store or to the pharmacy or to Dollar Tree and buy something with it? The answer is yes. The $20 bill has value because of what it is, not because of how it looks, where it's been, or what it's been used for. A crisp, clean $20 bill has the same value as a dirty, beat-up $20 bill. Has guilt left you feeling dirty? Has guilt left you feeling unworthy? If you feel like you've been thrown down and stepped on, be encouraged. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, God values you and his forgiveness is available to you. 
Now there's just a few other things, a few other steps to letting God remove your guilt. After you've confessed your sin to him and accept him his forgiveness, you need to do some hard work. If you've harmed someone with your actions or with your words, you need to seek out forgiveness and restoration in that relationship. And if you feel guilty because you're self-harming yourself, maybe you have an addiction or you've been doing something else personally, you need to step into the hard work of finding accountability, a friend, a counselor, a mentor, or trusted friend to help. These are the steps that God is asking you to take to leave your guilt behind and have him restore your soul. Clean slate. Let God remove your guilt. God also restores our soul when we let him relieve our grief. We experience grief because of things that are either done to us or how we feel when we see someone else hurting. Maybe 2021 has been a year of grief in your life. And when we feel grief, we need to remember something so incredibly important. We need to remember that while grief is real, grief also has limits. You see, we're still living on earth. This is not heaven, and it's imperfect here. So some days we are going to feel sorrow. We are going to feel pain. We are going to feel loss. We're going to experience grief. And if you're feeling grief today, please hear me. God is in that grief with you. God hurts because he cares so deeply about your heart and your soul. And while the people in this church will be here for you to walk through seasons of grief in your life, only Jesus Christ can restore your soul. Only Jesus can relieve your grief. Now, Job in the Bible was no stranger to grief. We know Job. He was a great man and he feared God. And he was a prosperous man too. From a material standpoint, he was so incredibly rich. Thousands of camel, thousands of cattle, hundreds of sheep, hundreds of donkeys. And from a personal standpoint, Job was rich too. He had seven sons and three daughters. Job had it all. But then the plot thickens. Every good story has tension in the plot, and Job faced some incredibly hard times of grief. You see, the Lord permitted Satan to test Job's faith. And all that he held dear in his life was stripped from him. He lost all his livestock. His servants were killed. And every one of his children died tragically. And if this wasn't enough grief in Job's life, Satan afflicted him with sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Job was well acquainted with grief. Financial grief, 
spiritual grief, emotional grief. Listen to how he's feeling. If only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. Job was a good guy, remember? He loved God, but he was in a deep season of grief and his anguish weighed on him. His grief was as heavy as the sands of the sea. I don't know about you, but I cannot imagine grief that heavy in my life. He was in a tough, tough place. But Job... Job was a person of spiritual integrity and his hope was focused on life beyond his grief, on being with God when his pain on this earth was over. So without understanding the why behind his suffering, Job continued to trust in God and eventually his faith triumphed over his adversity. Job shows us that it is possible to remain firm in the hope of heaven even when we're experiencing deep grief. Job puts it this way. I know. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been destroyed yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Job had such an understanding of what was to come after life on this earth was over. God would be triumphant over his grief and he was set firm on being there and seeing God. If you're going through grief today, if 2021 was a year of grief for you, be encouraged. Grief has its limits. This world is not the end. My dad had a phrase that was so endearing. He often said, Lord willing, Lord willing, I'll see you next week. Lord willing, it'll rain tomorrow. Lord willing. You see, my dad was a tough farmer. And in the course of his life, he had been through many highs and many lows, many wins and many losses. But he very much felt safe inside the will of God, Lord willing. On Tuesday, October 5th, just a few months ago, my dad was admitted to LGH with COVID pneumonia. He told us that Lord willing... I'll go home on Saturday to my apartment. I'll be with mom again. But my sisters and I knew different. And after a few tough conversations by his bedside, we think he knew different too. Our dad passed away just two days later. just two days later on October 7th, and our family grieved. 
And in our grief, we held tension in our hands. We held the tension of our otherwise strong and healthy and vaccinated father. And in the other hand, we held the statistic that he would die from COVID. That only 14% of deaths in Pennsylvania are from vaccinated individuals. Our family grieved and we are still grieving, but we also remember that because of heaven, grief has its limits. It's been so incredibly healthy for me to take my grief to God. And it's been so, so sweet to invite him to restore my soul as he takes that grief away. Let God relieve your grief. Another way we allow God to restore our soul and give us a clean slate is to let him replace our grudges. You see, we feel guilty for things we've done. We have grief because we're going through painful seasons in our life, but we hold grudges as a result of something someone else has done to us. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, we get hurt. And how we handle that hurt determines whether we will be a bitter person or a better person. There's only one letter between bitter and better, and that's the letter I. I make the choice. I choose whether the circumstance will devastate me or direct me to a new path, whether it makes me bitter or better. There was a time growing up where our family had a choice between bitter and better. Our farm was a large farm, but we only had a few sheep, maybe three or four. And my dad kept these sheep in a pen behind the barn. And one summer night, we heard such a commotion coming from behind the barn. Dad ran out back and I followed. And what we saw was tragic. Two dogs from a neighboring farm had come up the road and gotten into our sheep pen. And in a matter of moments, they had killed all the sheep. It was not a pretty sight. I remember my dad being both sad and angry as he jumped in his pickup truck and drove to the farm to tell our neighbors what had happened. He pulled into the driveway just as the dogs were coming through the yard covered in sheep's blood. Our family had a choice that day. We could be bitter and hold a grudge or we could try and let this unfortunate tragedy somehow make us better, somehow have a redemptive outcome. And all these years later, I see the fruit of our choice. I'm friends with the daughter of our neighbor. We went to school together, and I actually taught her daughters in children's ministry at Peckway Church before I came here. And just last year in the fall, when I was doing a funeral and she was the pianist, she said, Dawn, I just need to tell you how grateful I am that your team 
that you spoke into the lives of my daughters for so many years. She was sharing with me what they've been doing and how they are. And, you know, if I had remained bitter, if my family had remained bitter, I don't think the outcome would have been as kingdom building as I was told it was. Only God can make something better out of a bitter time. Now, my sheep story might be similar or very different to a grudge that you're carrying today, but God has said one day he will make everything right. One day he will settle the crimes and the injustices and the things that we hold as unfair. But in the meantime, God points us toward a clean slate. Ephesians 4 says, get rid of all bitterness. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, this isn't easy, and this does not come easy to everyone who says they're following Christ, but if you really want a clean slate, if you want your todays and tomorrows not to be influenced by your pasts, you need to do the hard work of forgiveness. God is clear. If you're dealing with a grudge or a bitterness, forgiveness is the only answer. But hear me here. When we forgive, when we choose to forgive, it does not mean we sweep the offense under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist. Forgiveness is not saying what that other person did to you is right. Forgiveness is saying that you choose not to let that pain and hurt come across you over and over and over again. Clean slate. Let God replace your grudges. So let's just do a quick review. What is it you feel guilty about? Just name it. And then ask Jesus to forgive you and believe that he has. What are you grieving? Just name it and know that heaven is coming and there will be no more grief. Where are you holding a grudge? Just name it and then decide to stop allowing the people in your past to continue to hurt you in the present. Choose to be better and not bitter. If a guilt Grief or grudge has overwhelmed you. Remember that Jesus can wipe your slate clean. He can restore your soul. On the connection card, you have some spots that you can be thinking about today. It looks like this. I'd like a clean slate. Please pray for me as I ask God to remove my guilt, relieve my grief, and replace my grudge. And there's a spot there for you to maybe add just another sentence of what it is that your guilt, grief, or grudge is carrying, what what you're carrying today. And I'll be praying for you. If you're joining us online, please write prayer on your connection card, and I will call you this week. A member of my care team will call you this week, and we'll pray for you there too. I want to close by inviting you to do one thing. Besides fill out your connection card, I have the prayer corners open in the back. Some of our care team leaders will be back there with me. If you're carrying a guilt, grief, or grudge with you today and you want prayer for that, 
We'd love to walk that with you, hear your story, and pray with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for being a God who restores our soul. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that your gift of eternal life tells us that grief will be no more. Thank you that you have the power through your Holy Spirit to make us better and not bitter. And God, I pray today that anyone online or anyone here in person would let the work of restoration begin in their lives. Thank you. Thank you for being strong. Thank you for taking our soul and giving us a clean slate. We thank you for that. And I pray for the good work of restoration to begin today. May we have a 2022 where we look at you and we walk where you lead. In your precious name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.